All right, we are starting a new series today. Woohoo! Overcoming the plague, not plaque, which is also a problem. <laughs> Tartar. Overcoming the plague of toxic people. Amen? Overcoming the plague of toxic people. Our text scripture is 1 Corinthians 5, verses 9 through 13. I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators, yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world, or with the covetous, or extortioners, or with idolaters, for then must ye needs go out of the world. But now I've written unto you not to keep company. If any man that is called a brother be a fornicator, or covetous, or an idolater, or a railer, or a drunkard, or an extortioner, with such a one, know not to eat. For what have I to do to judge them also that are without? Do not you judge them that are within, but them that are without God judgeth. Therefore put away from yourselves that wicked person. Praise the Lord. Heavenly Father, in the precious name of Jesus, we give you the glory, honor, and praise. Father, that you would speak to us through this series, through your word. We thank you, Father, that if there's any areas in which we would um, have any kind of toxicity in our minds or our hearts and our demeanor, that you would reveal those things to us through this series, that we can have them purged from us, that we can walk in purity and in a spirit of, um, that would cause us to make people hunger and thirst for righteousness. We thank you, Father, if we've been uh, subjected to toxicity in other people, that you would show us how to deal with it, that even though we may not necessarily be able to avoid encounters with these people that would not weigh us down or toxify us. We just praise you. We give you the glory and honor and praise, Father, for these things. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Overcoming the plague of toxic people. Now, we, we've looked at things like rivers, and we've seen situations where rivers or streams become very toxic. And in those situations where there, you see that toxicity is very harmful to animal and plant life. Now, unfortunately, there's times in our lives where we come across the, the paths of toxic people as well. And in a similar manner, if we allow ourselves to succumb to their influence, it can also cause harm to us mentally, spiritually, emotionally, even physically. So one of the things the Lord placed upon my heart is not only to look at toxicity in people overall to identify it, but also show us some of the ways in which we could um, either uh, detach ourselves from it, purge ourselves from it, or do what is necessary so that we remain free and liberated to walk in Christ. Amen? Now, as it relates to uh, the effect of people on you, uh, I found a couple quotes um, by Hans, Hans, I'm sorry, Hans F. Hansen. He's a retired football player. I'm talking about uh, European soccer, not American football. He's a retired football player, entrepreneur, and motivational speaker. And he made the following quotes. Now listen to this. It takes nothing to join the crowd. It takes everything to stand alone. Once again, it takes nothing to join the crowd. It takes everything to stand alone. In other words, it's very easy. It doesn't cost you anything. It doesn't take any extra effort for you to just go in with the crowd and just be like everybody else. But it might take a lot of energy, a lot of 
fortitude for you to stand alone, especially in the midst of things that are inappropriate or ungodly. A second quote, and I really like this one, people inspire you or they drain you, pick them wisely. (laughs) I'll say it again. People inspire you or they drain you, pick them wisely. And if you really think about that, that's a very powerful statement. If you really uh, look at the relationships that you're involved with, the people that you uh, are, are in the present with the most, do you find that they motivate you, inspire you, uh, provoke you to greatness, make you feel better when you're weak, support you when you're down, or you, do you feel like every time you're in your midst, their midst, when you come away, Something's been pulled out of you. I don't feel as strong. Wow, I feel a little bit discouraged. Man, those people just depress me. Each one of us has to evaluate the type of people that we uh, encounter, the type of people that we have closer relationships with, and the people that we need to detach ourselves from. And here's the thing. I'm not telling you not to be involved with somebody that is toxic. I'm telling you that if you're going to have to do that, if you're in a circumstance where you cannot avoid that, you can still control the effect and the influence that they have upon you. In other words, you could be around toxic people all the time without becoming toxic. You could be around toxic people all the time and start to heal them and purge them of their mess instead of taking on their garbage and now you become toxic. You got a choice. Just because you're in the midst doesn't mean you have to be like them. So you got to ask yourself, if I'm in their midst and I'm being led by the Spirit of God, why are they remaining toxic? Or if I'm in their midst and God has truly told me to be there, why am I becoming toxic? Something's wrong with that. Either you're not called to be in their midst and you need to separate yourself, or if God allows you to be there, there should be uh, uh, basically as a consequence or a ripple effect, a byproduct, that they stop, stop becoming as toxic and they start detoxifying. Amen? It doesn't make sense for you as a Christian, I'm not crying, (laughs) it doesn't make sense for you as a Christian to continually be around toxic people, and all it does is is make you feel worse and drained, amen? Something's wrong there. You're not listening to the Holy Spirit. You're not being obedient to the Word of God. Something's wrong. Even if it's in your perception, something's wrong if the only result of you being around toxic people as a child of God with the weapons of warfare, with God's principles, with the ability to pray, with the anointing that we sang about earlier. There's something very wrong if you're in the midst of toxic people and they're having a greater impact on you than you're having on them. Amen? And you've got to ask yourself, am I really called to be there? Or am I only there because of uh, I need some type of attention from them, some appreciation from them? I feel like my bloodline or my organization requires me to be in their midst. Amen? But does God have you in their midst? Now, what are the consequences of letting toxic people overcome you? According to recent research by the Friedrich Schiller University in Germany, stimuli which causes strong negative emotions, the kind of exposure you receive when dealing with toxic people, 
causes the subject's brains to have a massive stress response. Amen? When you're around toxic people, it's not just a case of them getting on your last nerve. All they do is complain. No, you literally have a, re, uh, a result in your body clinically diagnosed or observed that it has a massive stress response on your mind, on your emotions, and on your body overall. And here's what happens to your brain. It compromises the effectiveness of the neurons in the hippocampus. And that's the portion of the brain that's responsible for your reasoning and your memory. Well, I just can't seem to remember stuff. Are you around a lot of toxic people? Are you toxic? Do you realize if you keep being surrounded by people that complain and murmuring and always in chaos and conflict and I'm angry and I'm frustrated and I'm depressed, do you, have to, do, you, do you realize that if you remain in the midst of that and you don't start to turn that thing around for righteousness sake, you can start having a negative um, result in your own life that, what do I eat for breakfast? Shoot, where am I going again? starts affecting your short-term memory or maybe your long-term memory amen it literally can affect not only your memory but as we see here it says it can affect your reasoning i can't figure out how to handle this wow i handled the situation a couple years ago why am i so perplexed right it starts to affect your ability to reason to comprehend to have witty imaginations to figure out things that you're saying, man, I used to be able to handle these type of things, but I just can't put my finger on it now. It starts to affect your ability to reason. Amen? So it's not just them getting on your nerves once again. These people literally can be affecting your brain. You got to ask yourself the question, is this one of the reasons why so many people in this day and age are, are dealing with dementia and Alzheimer's and things like that? I think one part of it is, yes, the, the foods we eat. The chemicals that we take in, the environmental conditions. I think some of it is due to the wages of sin, but I think some of it too is, uh, or a third part is sometimes I think people aren't challenging themselves as they used to. Amen? But then some of it might be because you're around toxic people and it starts to affect your capacity to reason and to recall things. Amen? So like I said, it's not just a case of them getting on your nerves. These people literally could be chemically and physically altering the structure and the stability of your brain amen and believe me i'm not saying that it's always sin i'm not saying it's always toxicity there's other reasons like i said there's biochemical we got dna's we got all kinds of stuff going on but i'm saying that we should at least consider the fact that this might be one of the results of you remaining around toxic people all the time amen and that's why we have to evaluate relationships is this thing bringing something to the table and if it's bringing something to the table, what is it bringing? Is it bringing stuff that lifts me up and fortifies me? Or is it bringing something that is pulling me down? <laughs> That's a good point right there. You can come to the table, but what do they bring you to eat? Amen? What do people bring you to eat? A plate full of God's goodness or a plate full of bittersweet apples and wrath and anger and resentment. What are people telling you to eat? Word of God says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Some people say, taste and see that I can make you just as depressed as you want to be. You got to watch what you're eating. Yeah. Amen. That's the thing. We're eating all the time. We're absorbing all the time. 
We're comprehending and taking in stimuli all the time. I'm telling you today, we got to watch what is coming at us because people will literally drive you crazy. People will literally make you bitter and resentful, despondent, defeated. You got to watch the stimuli that's coming in. And here's the thing. That's what exactly what it is. It's stimuli. You don't even know the stuff's hitting you sometimes. And the, the, the way that stimuli works a lot of times is, is that there's this involuntary reaction to what somebody does or says or a touch here and there. A lot of times you, you get to the place where the stimuli comes and without thinking, you automatically absorb or you react to something. Amen? I remember I was partnering with Trey one day in Wing Chun. He's probably saying, ah, I wonder if I'm, how I'm coming along. And I just, like that all of a sudden, threw a right hook. He blocked it. I said, see, you're absorbing. You're reacting to stimuli. Two months ago, you would have gone like that. Now that you've trained yourself to analyze what's coming at you within two months, the thing you would have dodged like that, now you're blocking. Same thing with your brain. Stuff is coming at you all the time. Are you going like that? Are you saying, hmm, let me take in that bitter pill? Or are you blocking it through the word of God, casting down imaginations? You're responsible for protecting the stability of your mind, your body, and spirit. Amen? Oh, we'll go to the gym. We'll eat the right foods. But are you guarding your heart? Are you guarding your mind? Are you preventing all that stuff from coming in? Or do you just like, open gates to anything? What do you do? Because quite frankly, that's more important than the food you eat. That's more important than the gym you go to. What good will it do you to go bench press 500 pounds and run 10 miles and eat like Yule Gibbons, <laughs> tree bark, <laughs> roots out of the ground? What good is all that going to do if you're surrounded by people every day that are ruining you internally? Oh, you look like Atlas and, and, and Arnold Schwarzenegger on his peak. But inside, you're dead men's bones because it's eating you up internally. Your mind is jacked up. Your emotions are all over the place. Amen? See, we got to watch out for that stimuli that's coming at us all the time. That's the secret battle that you need to fight, even more so than what you do in the natural. Amen? The Word of God shows us coming to cover to cover. What happens first in the spirit manifests in the natural. Amen? So we need to reverse that. I'm not telling you not to take care of your bodies. I'm telling you, take care of your spirit, man, and your mind first from the attacks that come in. Now, I told you that toxicity, stress, it compromises the effectiveness of the neurons in the hippocampus, the, the portion of the brain responsible for reasoning and memory. Within weeks, these encounters can cause reversible damage to brain cells within weeks see the 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 effect starts to come in just takes weeks and it, and damage starts to happen to your brain cells but notice i use the word reversible they can affect you for a small season but if you see it for what it is and you start to combat it with the word of god you can reverse the damage that they inflicted on you emotionally in other words, you can restore your memory. You can restore your reasoning. But you have to see the undermining attacks for what they are and start to do the work to say, I'm going to detoxify myself. Amen? Now, within weeks, 
These encounters can cause reversible damage to your brain cells. Unfortunately, within months, they can be permanently destroyed. Oh, they making me lose my mind. Yes, they are, literally. <laughs> you stay around them people, that chaos, that conflict, dysfunction. <sighs> I just can't seem to remember stuff. Oh, boy, I just, ooh, I just can't figure. Ooh, I'm a little, cl yeah. Millions of brain cells are dying. You got to protect those things before they're permanently gone. Amen. Toxic people are literally destructive to your brain and its performance. So even if something, you're not at the point where it's permanently destroyed, another research study of over 1 million people by talent search confirmed that 90% of the top performers are skilled at managing their emotions in times of stress to remain calm and under control. In other words, they don't, they, it's not like they're exempt or free of the same stresses and the same dysfunctional people that cause stress as other people. But the 90% of the top performers, they deal with the same type of toxic people, but yet they know how to keep their cool. Doesn't mean they never get upset, hurt, or anything like that. But they have balance. They don't let the toxicity make them become crazy and toxic. They're like, all right, that was a little crazy, but... Calm myself down, relax, let me think this out, figure out how to handle it. So they remain calm and under control. And these people that are 90% of the top um, performers not only learn how to calm themselves down or remain calm and under control in the midst of stress, but they also have the, the gift of identifying toxic people and keeping them at bay. So if you don't have an antenna, to identify toxic people, you need to develop one. But thank God, through the word of God, he gives us the capability to discern these types of things. And see, some people are going to be toxic all the time. That's just the nature of who they are. But why are you going to allow them to infiltrate your vessel? You're the temple of the Holy Ghost. You're a portable repository, the power, the spirit, the wisdom, the might, the anointing of God. You see in the Bible what happens when they infiltrate God's church. He smites people. They try to put a statue in their Dagon. He knocked it down. They put it back up. He said, oh, you want to pick them back up? Came back the next day. He had no limbs and no head. You ain't going to raise up no false gods in my sanctuary. So why is it that you allow false gods of bitterness and depression, and fear, and anxiety to invade your house through toxic people. You need to cut the head off of those Dagons that are trying to infiltrate your mind, your emotions, and your spirit. Amen? And it's through the word of God, the same, the same avenue that God used. Purify your house. Don't allow these people to infiltrate. Identify the, the effect that they have, and once again, keep them at bay or destroy the influence of what they're trying to bring into your lives. Uh, let's go to the next slide, 1 Corinthians 15.33. I'm showing it in three verses because I think each one has a little bit of meat for us to absorb today. First one, don't fool yourselves. Bad friends will destroy you. Nah, you might not die. But boy, you stay around bad friends all the time, you start to take on their spirit, don't you? 
Yeah, you ever see that? There's a, there's a whole bunch of people. I remember we was growing up in Bronx City. There's families we knew, like, oh, they brawlers. It was just like, I'm not going to say the names, but there's certain family. They're like, oh, don't mess with none of beep family. They're like, what? Because quite frankly, stature-wise, none of them were that impressive. <laughs> but they like, ah, oh, don't mess with none of them. Don't, don't mess with the family. Like, why? I ain't scared of him. You don't understand. You can fight him, and whether you lose or win, within an hour, you can have 10 of him family swooping on top of you. Don't mess with that family. See, they were known for a type of toxicity, dysfunction. They are brawlers. Then there was other families like, they're the drunks. They're the gossips. And we've seen these not only in families, but we see them within cliques at schools. Oh, that's the popular crowd. That's the, you know, the backbiting crowd. Those are the jocks. Those are the geeks. People assemble in crowds of like-minded people. <laughs> Make sure you're not drawn into a group that's associated with toxicity and if you have to engage them, be at least equipped with the tools and the wisdom of God that the impact and the toxicity and the negativity and the ungodliness that's associated with them doesn't start to permeate the essence of who you are. As we see here, bad friends will destroy you. First of all, why are they your friends? Oh, I don't have no friends. Good. <laughs> Good. That sounds raw. <laughs> People are like, oh, you're, you're so rude. Like, it's good not to have a lot of friends. Ain't got that many people to disappoint you. <laughs> to stab you in the back, to undermine you, to try to usurp. Keep your friends limited. <laughs> Amen. That's how I tell people all the time. I, I got a lot of associates. I don't have that many friends. Now, I have friends in a sense, quote around it. Yeah, we get along good. We see each other. But friends, to all caps, only got a few. And I'm perfectly fine with that. Amen? I think a lot of times people just, in other words, accept anybody as a friend. And sometimes people do stuff by the bloodline. I'm, I'm like Jesus. Who are my brothers and sisters? Who is my family? I don't care if your name got Fox on it. I was quite frankly, it sounds rough. I really don't care. I care about the Fox family tree. But not to the point that if they're in dysfunction, illegal activity or whatever, that, oh, I'm so proud of it. No. You will be my friend. It's a cost. It's called stability, responsibility, conducting yourself in a godly manner. Those are my friends. Those are my family. Too many people staying attached because of bloodlines, societal connections, business situations, staying attached to people that are taking them down a wrong path. And that's what this is basically trying to tell us here. Let's look at the second one. Be not deceived. Evil, evil companionships corrupt good morals. Oh, you can say you're pure and noble and undefiled, but that's the case how you connect to people that are corrupt. And don't, please don't try to tell me, oh, well, you don't understand the opportunity or our loss. Do you know how many things I've passed up on over years? Oh, I know. I don't care. But the fact is, I don't know. I've had so many opportunities. I had a situation years ago, working for this business, agreed to the amount of money, 
in, in advance when they're going to pay me when I did the programming. I did the program. I did my usual, you know, wish I could have made more because, you know, I got to pay me and this other guy. We got to split it. Wish it could have been more. It's not. Oh, well, maybe future passes, maybe other business. Do my work to the best of my ability. Guy agreed to the amount all of a sudden. Well, um, you got to charge that much. Then he's supposed to have a certain amount. Oh, well, I don't quite have all this. And then the guy I was working with that set me up, he's like, well, install the, the software on his computer, but put something in the software that as soon as he installs it or runs it, it'll wipe out his hard drive. I was like, dude, I'd rather lose money than do something to wreck my integrity. Amen? And especially disparage the character of Christ. What if somebody were to learn of that and say, Brian Fox did that to that guy's business? What if he didn't have backups to all that stuff on his hard drive? I lost some money. Do I like it? No. But am I going to do something that could ruin the reputation of not only me, but also the Christ I represent over a few dollars? No, I walked away. But you see, if you allow yourself to do what people that don't have the mind and perceptions of God tell you to do, it can corrupt you and take you away from your good morals into doing something that reeks of a lack of integrity. You got to be careful about that. Don't be deceived, it says here. Evil companionships will corrupt good morals. You could think you're pure and undefiled, but you hooked up with the wrong people and you don't stand your ground. Once again, don't deceive yourself. They could take you down a bad path. And it's not just the bad path of you doing something wrong in one situation. They just start to literally defile the essence of who you are. Even if you, if you allow them to come in and intoxify you with their impressions and their guidelines and their standards and their evil ways, you can actually get to a situation later on where you actually break ties with them, but you still carry the leaven of what they impart into your life. That's what happens in relationships. People impart things to each other. Amen. And you, once again, you might not even realize it, but you place certain things into their lives and they put things back into your lives. But you got a choice whether or not you want to accept those aspects of those other people's character. Now, the last one, stop being deceived. Wicked friends lead to evil ends. <laughs> Don't believe that a wicked friend is going to take you to the path of righteousness, in other words. And once again, it says that same thing. Stop being deceived. Amen. Don't fool yourself. They're not taking you on the path of righteousness. Why are you staying connected? And most of all, why are you letting them impact you for unrighteousness sake instead of you impacting them for righteousness sake? Amen. Hallelujah. All right. Next one we'll look at is Proverbs 13 verses 20 and 21. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Evil pursueth sinners, but to the righteous good shall be repaid. So if you walk with the wise, you shall be a wise person. Walk around a lot of foolishness. <laughs> as bright as you think you are, you're going to start to become foolish. And you, it doesn't matter what your IQ is. It doesn't matter what your academic credentials are. If you stay around people that are doing ungodly, foolish things, at some point you can start taking on their spirit and their ways, and it'll start affecting you. And here's the thing. 
you know, it says that evil pursues sinners. Do you think about that? People that are unrighteous, the ways of evil are actually chasing them down. As we see here, there's going to be a day of repayment. You got a choice whether or not the things that chase you down, amen, are going to be God's good, God's blessings overshadowing and overtaking you, or the consequences of your errant behavior starting to finally come home to roost. You got a choice of what chases you down. There's something chasing you down. (laughs) But Galatians talks about it. What a man sows, he should surely reap. What do you want to reap? Do you want to reap good things? We always look at that in the bad. I remember I used to look at that past the scripture for years. If I do evil, you know, sow the wind, reap the whirlwind. <laughs> I used to always look at that bad. I don't know why, but I always looked at that as bad. Maybe it's because I always heard people using it in a bad con- context. Amen. But the reality is if you sow good, you also reap good. Amen. Wouldn't you like a, a hurricane of God's blessings? to come back over, overtake you, just knock you off your feet. You're trying to hold on for dear life, and God's wind, his hurricane of blessings that have come in due season are coming at you so hard and so fast. God, stop. You really tell God, stop. I can't take it no more. <laughs> You're about to blow me away, Lord, <laughs> with the hurricane or the whirlwind or the tornado of God's blessings finally coming home to roost. That is so much better than, once again, walking in the wisdom, sarcastically meant, or pun, the wisdom of this world system and of unrighteousness and of toxicity. So if you want to be, you got to be careful here, as we said. It says the companion of a fool shall be destroyed. Once again, this may not lead unto death. But it could lead to some type of destruction in your life. The destruction of your reputation. The destruction of your character. The destruction of your wisdom. Like I said, the destruction of your brain cells. What is the end result? People, I, I tell people all the time, I don't mind interacting and fellowshipping with anybody. I have no problem with that whatsoever. It could be somebody of another race, religion, culture. I can sit down and talk to them and engage them. And we may not see eye to eye, but I'm willing to sit down and talk to anybody. But, but here's the thing. Uh, and also, you know, somebody could be stuck in, in bondage to alcoholism, drug addiction, something like that. I'm not too good for anybody. I'll fellowship and talk and sit down and try to minister to anybody. But here's the thing. I'll do it, but I'm doing it with certain, certain guidelines. If you're stuck in the pit, the cave of sin and debauchery, I'll come and meet you, but it was the purpose to help pull you out of it. No, I'm not coming down to join you. And that doesn't mean I'm too good for you. It means when I come to you, I'll interact and show you love and compassion, but I'm trying to bring you up to a place of healing and righteousness and love and appreciation for Jesus Christ. I'm not coming down to you. The problem with people that take on toxicity is that you're going in the midst of people that are toxic, and instead of you showing the light of Christ and bringing them out of that, you're going down to them. If God's called you there, you're not called to get pulled down. You are called to pull people up. Amen? And that's the measuring rod where you can see what is the nature of the relationships you're involved in. Are they pulling you down? Do you feel overwhelmed, weighted, anxious, fearful, despondent, depressed after your encounters with them? 
Or do you feel like I feel either the same way or so blessed that I got to use the, the, the wisdom and the tools of God that he's given me? Oh, thank you, Jesus, for the opportunity to talk to those people. I feel great because I was able to minister to them. That's what a godly encounter should do when you're interacting with people with toxic, that are toxic. It should not be you coming out there, oh, I feel so oh, devastated. What good did you do them if all you offered was them hooking their anchors to you to pull you down where they were? Where's the light of Christ that was going to move them out of darkness if all the encounter did was result in a Christian who was supposed to be wise and empowered and gifted what is the benefit of that if you go into encounters with toxic people and they see no difference than what they're already accustomed to and they pull you down to their level? Amen? Once again, you've got to ask yourself, did God truly call me into these encounters? Amen? So as we see here, he that walketh with wise men shall be wise. We should be wise and know how to handle those interactions. All right, let's go to Pro I'm sorry, Psalms 26. Four and five. I have not sat with vain persons, neither will I go in with dissemblers. I have hated the congregation of evildoers and will not sit with the wicked. Once again, this does not mean that I, oh, well, uh, we're going to this thing and those people are drinking and cursing and carousing and uh, I ain't going to go sit with them. Uh, it ain't going to happen. No. I mean, that word sit there is more than just to Place your butt in a chair. It means I will not sit in the midst of the nature, the culture, the philosophies, and the mindset of those people and be quite comfortable and take on the nature of that environment. That's what it means. So, yes, God has called us out into the whole world to minister to people. <laughs> Pamela, I was sore yesterday. <laughs> Oh, there's a good, some, some, some good cussing going on. And you looked over the table like, I see coolers, I see beer. Next thing you know, I see many, many gin and many rum. And then I see another thing, and I got some bottles, like a, a curly bottle with some kind of blue liquid in it. And I'm like, oh, they got all exotic and different colored drinks and stuff. And... <laughs> First they had some high C, but then I saw the one high C looked like it was gone. They had a picture, and at first I was like, well, did they just put the high C in ice? And I was like, nah, that might have a little little tweak to it. <laughs> so I was like, I ain't going to mess with that. And sure enough, later on, when we were about to leave, the one niece was pouring it back into the original high C bottle, and she put the seal on She said, well, you know, I just put it back into this, and I sealed it tight so it won't spill your car, but just be mindful this is this 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 ain't just high C. I was like, see, I knew it. <laughs> that was a uh, high C 2.0 <laughs> with that special sauce in it. <laughs> so, but, but here's the thing, you know, we had, you know, is the cursing and drinking and the laughing and the partying and you know, alcoholic drinking and stuff like that. Pam and I were totally comfortable going in there and sitting in the company of all those people. Matter of fact, I took a guy to the side and you know, engage him in a conversation about upcoming marital counseling. This is in the midst of all the drinking and everything. Me and him go to the side for a while, and we're talking about that, and I'm giving some initial principles. So you could be in a seat 
of people that, I don't want to call them evil or wicked, but you could be in a seat of people that are not like you with the hair on your head and the angelic wings and the, the, the heavenly choirs singing loudly as you go everywhere you go. You could be in the midst of all those people and be quite comfortable but not take on the nature of what they might be about. I did not start cussing because I was sitting in the midst of cursing. I did not start drinking booze because I was in the midst of drinkers. I was quite comfortable sitting there, and yes, you know, uh, somebody asked one time, oh, you want this? No, nope, I don't drink. And here's the thing. I <laughs> Funny thing is, <laughs> I get this um, 10-year anniversary doodad for my keychain um, um, from Surge, the company I'm consulting with, and it's, it's supposed to be a partial compass and a ruler and a bottle opener and a screwdriver and a wedge and a prying thing and stuff like that. I'm sitting there. I'm kind of like, ah, I'm never going to use this thing. You know how many bottles of beer I opened yesterday with that little thing? <laughs> Every five seconds, I'm like, okay, here I go. Pull my key ring out again to pop open somebody's beer bottle. Did that make me an imbiber of booze? No. And, and could I be how dare you? I will not use my godly bottle open to open that satanic drink. No, I opened their bottles for them. <laughs> it's not that big a deal. Amen. <laughs> so you can sit in the middle of vain persons. It's just the nature of how you do it. Do you become one of them, in other words? Or do you still retain your righteousness in their midst? Do you keep the standards of God? Do you still operate in his principles? And when the opening presents itself, do you share based upon your faith? Matter of fact, the birthday girl, and one of the things that um, when we got to the part of the birthday cake before we sang her happy birthday, she actually said, you know, she looked up, she pointed, she said, I just want to thank God that I'm here to see another day because she came through a tragedy. And she said, I just thank God so much for allowing me to be here. So in the midst of all the drinking and the cursing and the partying and the fun, she gave glory to God. Thank you, Jesus, that I'm, I'm here to see another day because things turn out differently. She literally would not be here. So she gave glory to God, and she thanked God for, you know, the years that he is still allotted to her. Amen. Praise the Lord. So I will not go into the dissemblers, to the vain persons, to the evildoers and the wicked. I will not go into their midst and become one of the dissemblers. In other words, I won't become toxic, mean-spirited, angry, anxious, fearful, a backbiter, a backstab. I will not take on their spirit when I'm in the midst of them. I will retain mine and I will still be open and available to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ when the opportunity presents itself. I will not be so righteous, as I said, that I can't open a bottle for somebody. Amen? He's going to drink it anyway. And he's sitting there working the thing with his hand. getting cut his hand up. Like, come on, just pop the thing open for him. I'm not that self-righteous and that holy that I can't help somebody. Amen? And I'm talking to the one guy. He's, you know, 28 years old, starting a truck. We had a good conversation, too. And I was like, oh, praise God, you know, just talking to the guy. Man, keep up the good work, encouraging him, you know, as he's training to become a truck driver. So there's opportunities when we look for them in the midst of it. Like I said, you could be in the mix of toxicity, but you don't have to take on toxicity. Amen? So you can sit in their midst without sitting taking on their spirit in their midst. Amen? Choose how you sit in the midst of the dissemblers, the vain persons, 
and the, um, the wicked. Proverbs 22, 24, and 25. Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man thou shalt not go, lest thou learn his ways and get a snare to thy soul. Don't make a friendship with an angry man. Amen. <laughs> don't do it. They're basically saying, don't you join forces. Don't you make covenant with. Don't you attach yourself to somebody that has a brawling, ungodly nature. And then he's going out. And you may not know what the consequences or how the situation is going to pan out. But if you know the spirit of that person, that he's one that's always prone to get himself in trouble, why are you choosing to go different places with that person? It'd be one thing. It's like, okay, never had this happen before, but, man, we got in a situation. Somebody was acting up. They got into a war of words and stuff like that. Okay, one incident, it could happen to anybody. I mean, it could happen to me tomorrow. You know, you just never know. But when you know somebody has a nature that they're always in a contention situation, there's always chaos and drama everywhere that person goes, why are you all attached to the hip? Once again, why does the wisdom that God has given you, why does the need to keep yourself detoxified take second place priority in terms of you uh, avoiding, which is really a spirit of manipulation, you, you're unwilling to say, I'm not going with you because you're afraid of how they're going to react. So what if they get mad? You got to do what it takes to keep yourself detoxified. They won't be mad, let them get mad. They're a mad person anyway. You just added one more person for them to be mad at. <laughs> but why you allow yourself to succumb, to yield to the manipulation and the control, the intimidation that they bring that way? Oh, well, if you don't come with me, then I'm going to be mad at you. I'm going to repay you. Well, go ahead and do what you got to do. But you know your butt ain't nothing but trouble. No, I ain't going with you. How many people are dead, drug addicted, alcoholic, or in jail because they refused to say no to somebody they knew wasn't right? Touch yourself in the hip and what did it do to you? And believe me, I know what it's like. My, me and my first cousin, my older first cousin, we, he, uh, we were like brothers. He was like an older brother to me. We, and we, that's all we did when we were kids. We played together and stuff like that. The, the, the other guys, they lived the next houses over. We were all inseparable as kids. Later on as teenagers, they started you know, first smoking marijuana. They started doing cocaine. And I would still play football, basketball. We went fishing, played summer league. I was on, we were on the, the summer league teams together trying to win a championship every year. We would sometimes come off the game and, yeah, I would drink beer with them and stuff like that. But then at a certain point, like, all right, we're going to so-and-so's house. You know, and I knew so-and-so's house associated with outcome the joints and outcomes the cocaine. All right, I'll see y'all guys later. Oh, come on, man, you come. And every once in a while, like, okay, it's a Sixers game or something like on that. I'll go in there and stuff. But, like, nah, I ain't, I ain't using none of that stuff. And at a certain point, the aroma got too strong. Like, all right, I'm out. See, you can pick and choose what you're going to allow yourself to do. And see, I was still a teenager, unsaved. So you mean to tell me that an adult person can't make the choice? No, I'm not going to be in the midst of y'all because y'all are a mess. 
And I've tried to minister. You, it's on deaf ears. And all y'all want to do is fight and do this and that. At a certain point, you're going to be like, you know, if I can't detoxify my, fire them, they don't want to hear what I have to say. They don't want none of the principle of God, healing, restoration, negotiation of beef, stuff like that. Well, y'all can beef on your own. I ain't coming. And be quite comfortable with the fact that, no, I'm not going to be there. Oh, but that's my family. So what? Your family's killing you. Your family got you like, I don't remember the outfit I put on yesterday. Oh, that's family? That's loving family? I okay, I just can't remember. She can't, can't see. Oh, that's your family. You need a blood transfusion then. DNA adjustment. You need something. If that's, your, if that's what your family offers you, then you need to divorce yourself from the family. And believe me, I'm not an advocate for separating yourself from your family. But at the end of the day, if all they're bringing you is, is, is emotional and spiritual destruction, you need to separate yourself from that. Amen? And I'm not talking about people that are sick and stuff like that. We still go to their aid. You know, if they're in a crisis, we come to minister. But once again, you control the nature of the interactions. If it's for the purpose of ministry, amen, then yes, you should go and go every time. But if it's just a case of, oh, I don't want to offend anybody in the family, let them be offended. If all they're going to offer you is a bitter pill to swallow. God ain't called you to be drawn down. God said, Jesus said his yoke is, is easy and his burden is light. So why are you going in a situation where the yoke is heavy and the burden is overwhelming? Well, Jesus ain't in that. <clears throat> we try to spiritualize it. Oh, well, oh God, I'm just praying for my household to be saved. Well, you're not the one to save them anyway. All we're going to do is look at you. Here she go again. Here he go again, old Bible thumper. Get on my nerves. They ain't listen to you anyway. So why are you sweating going there? Oh, because I want my household. You're not the one to get them saved. So, so there's your relief and there's your excuse. If you ain't got them saved, in one, two, five, ten years, a minister to them, what do you think year 11 is going to do? I mean, you might have some divine appointment where they're in a hospital room and now they're open audience. But at Thanksgiving dinner, at the wedding of, of Sister Susie and Brother Jojo, uh, they're thinking about the wedding. They're not thinking about you and your ministry. And they're probably, once again, <laughs> getting crunk, drunk, <laughs> like a skunk. <laughs> so they're not really open to receive what you have to offer anyway. So once again, I'm not telling people to separate themselves from family. Um, I'm not an advocate of that overall. But that's what's necessary to keep your spiritual and emotional sanity and the health of your mind, body, and spirit. Then you got to do what you got to do. Pick and choose. Pray before you go. Or at least tell God, I'm going to pray. I'm gonna, look, I'm going to go, Lord. So I'm going to spend the next day, a couple days. I'm going to fast and pray. So when I go into that chaos, bounce off. Oh, where did you get those stupid shoes from? Oh, boy, that, that's, that, oh, that hair. You thought that was a good hair color for you? Got a trail of insults and snide remarks and gossip. 
See, you can look behind you as you're in the midst of your family, and you can see the trail of all the snide remarks and things like that that bounce off you and hit on the floor as you walk by. So you got to go at least have a sense to arm yourself up spiritually. But if you're going in there and you're coming out, God, Lord, I need 12 weeks of deliverance. <laughs> you shouldn't have been there. We're talking about the fight for your sanity and for your spiritual and emotional health. Once again, we go to the gym, looking like, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, <laughs> Jackie Jordan Kersey, Serena, you just cut on the outside, inside. There's greater cancers than the, the, the tumors kind. It's cancers of the spirit. Cancers of the mind. Your mind is diseased. Because of the toxicity of people imparting that stuff into you. And you absorbing it, ingesting it, and keeping it in your system. Sometimes we fast and we do, you know, detoxes to purge our bodies and stuff. And people that detox and say, like, oh, my God, stuff came out of me. I ain't trying to be gross, but oh, Lord, what, Lord Jesus, where did that come from? What do you think is going to come out when you detox your spirit? Your emotions. That stuff you see coming out of your body. At times when I fast, like, oh, my God. Try not trying to be gross. Like, Dang. What the, what the, I'm a regular. <laughs> Craig Offer used to say, regular. He used to ask Craig, how you doing? Regular. <laughs> Comes to that, I'm regular. But I had times when I'm fasting, like, man, I went to the bathroom six times. I ain't anything different. Or anything. My body goes into a, the fast detox cycle. Like, man, let's keep going in the bathroom today. But I was like, all right, well, I guess it's good for me. But if you got to do that in the natural, what do you think you need to do in the spirit? Around these family members, like I said, oh, well, I still ain't going to forgive so-and-so. <laughs> Came in, my man, is she going to say something to him? Who she thinks she's talking to him like that? <laughs> but wait a minute, you're here at the, the cookout by yourself. Oh, yeah, when I was dating JoJo back in 1979. <laughs> she she goes... 1979. <laughs> you still mad? <laughs> Look, you know, you know, kicked him to the curb. You happy? You can't stand him. You don't wish him well. <laughs> but you got to be for somebody over what they said over a guy you don't really like anymore. <laughs> That's how absurd some of the stuff could be, though. So as we see, make no friendship with an angry man. Don't attach yourself to somebody. That friendship, once again, is not just this, you know, a bond of we hang together. This is like, no, you're starting to take on the spirit, the nature, the attitude, the mindset of that person. And then, not only that, but you identify within that person the nature of who they are, and you still choose to frequent, uh, frequently interact with that person or to go where they're going. And quite frankly, when people see that person coming that's the angry man, and they see you at the side, they don't say, oh, go there goes angry Joe and his friend Susie. No, there goes angry Joe and Susie. That's the association you get. When you associate yourself with toxic people, the association now comes on top of you. And they see you both as mean-spirited, both as covetous. Both as jealous and argumentative, or whatever it may be. That's the association that comes with it. And that's why it tells us here, learn, you know, 
don't go with that person because if you continue to stay around the midst of the toxic person, you're going to learn that person's ways. In other words, you're going to learn how to be just as toxic. Or you might even be worse. You learn how to take on the nature of it. As we see here, the end result is that, well, I didn't want to offend him. But you start to learn his ways, and it says your soul is in prison. I don't want to be angry anymore. I don't want to be toxic. I don't want to be walking around depressed and angry all the time. I just can't seem to get free from that. Your soul's ensnared because you connected yourself with somebody that brought that on you. So you got to detoxify yourself with the word of God. And as part of that, you might have to break that association. No, I'm not going with you anymore. Because I see what the weight, the burden, the toxicity that came in my life through my association with you. And now I've detoxified myself. I'm not going to bring the poison back in. So if you want to do what I do and similarly detoxify, we get detoxified together. But if you want to stay the same as you are, sorry. Can't be around you anymore. Got to separate. God says his words, choose you this day who you will serve. Who are you serving? If somebody, you got to be around somebody that much that you know is contrary to the word of God, well, then who are you choosing to serve? You ain't choosing God. Joshua made a choice. He's like, as for you, you guys, you could choose the guys you want to serve, the Amorites and the Hittites and stuff like that. He says, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We're not going to walk in them other spirits and philosophies. you got to choose. Amen? But the rewards are great. That's one thing I can say. The rewards are great when you choose to serve the Lord. So as I said earlier, should I totally avoid toxic people? You know, after all, God instructed us to go into the entire world to minister. So how can we justify totally avoiding toxic people? The answer is simple. We are to learn to identify them. We are to avoid getting involved in or overwhelmed by their chaos. And when we need to engage them, we have to use the wisdom and anointing of God to control our encounters with them and prevent them from taking influence and subjecting our spirits, our emotions unto their jurisdiction. You control the circumstances. No, I'm not taking on your spirit. You subject yourself to, and here's the thing, I'm not asking you to subject yourself to my spirit either. I'm saying that our interactions, our relationship, our encounters are going to both be subjected to the spirit of God, which is above both of us. So so if, if I'm toxic and Kelly comes to me, the spirit of Brian should not come upon Kelly and now he becomes toxic. Nor should Kelly come to me and say, Brian, your spirit is toxic, so we're gonna, I want you to take on my spirit, and we'll be like two Kellys. No. I'm subjected to the spirit God, and when I come into the midst of you and we interact, I'm not telling you to take on my spirit. I'm telling you, let's both take on the spirit of God. Let that be the governing influence in our interactions. Amen? So therefore, we don't get the glory in it. It's God himself that gets the glory by taking jurisdiction over how we interact. Romans 16, 17 through 20 says, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned, and avoid them. For they that are such 
serve not our Lord Jesus Christ but their own belly and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple for your obedience has come abroad unto all men I'm glad therefore on your behalf but yet I would have you wise unto that which is good and simple conserving evil concerning evil and the God of peace shall bruise Satan unto your feet under your feet shortly the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you amen so we see here it says mark them which cause divisions and offenses it doesn't say join them blindly it doesn't say when they pressure you oh well you don't want to make them angry so oh, I better I guess I better go along It'd be easy for me just to go along then to get mad, get them mad at me because, you know, when they get mad, they always try to get you back or they're going to go to somebody else and join forces against me. So I don't want to deal with that. So I better go along. First of all, why would you be afraid of them being angry at you or joining forces against you if you're serving the God of the universe? Them two mortals versus you and the God of the universe, they better be bound down and be afraid. But we're sitting there like, oh, well, I want to make them mad. I, I, I better go along. Why are you letting them put a spirit of fear and intimidation into you? So it says here, mark them which cause divisions and, and offenses, contrary to the doctrine which you have learned. Are they walking in the doctrines of Christ that you have learned? The goodness of God? <coughs> Meekness, long-suffering, love, patience, temperance are they walking in those characteristics if they're not and people will say in the world oh you can't judge anybody oh yes you can Jesus judged people all the time amen what the word of God is telling us if you look at it in the proper context is not to judge people from a impure motive or falsely amen and not to judge them on our own fleshly merits that's why Jesus would see, he saw, what was it, uh, Nicodemus? He said, oh, a man in which there is no God. He judged him. He judged him as a righteous guy. Amen. He talked to the Pharisees and Sadducees, <laughs> whitewashed sepulchers. He judged them. So here it tells us to mark or judge them, uh, those who cause divisions and offenses. They could, they could talk the good game. They could look pure and innocent. But if you look at, God bless you. If you look at the fallout, the residue, the byproduct of these people going different places and interacting with people, and you start to notice a pattern like, well, dang, everybody seemed like they were getting along to so-and-so went there. Wow. All of a sudden, they started arguing. And then over here, like, oh, those two were friends for years, and now, wow, after so-and-so went in there, some, somehow there's a breach in there. Wow. You see these sort of things, it says, like, you need to mark them. They cause divisions and offenses. And if they do, why you run along with them? Amen? Just a bosom buddy. As the world says, ride or die with them. And they ride or die and cause them destruction and conflict. Why are you doing that? Because it says people like that, either they talk a good game, if the byproduct of their lives is that there's always divisions and contentions and controversies, it says they're not serving the Lord Jesus Christ, but they're serving their own belly. In other words, the, the essence, the core of what they're doing, the underlying motivation of their life is about self. 
not glorifying God. And God is telling us here his word, if they're that type of person, you are to mark them as somebody that, oh, I can't just be with you all the time. I can't be hanging with you. Because I don't want to fall into the same spirit and have the same type of reputation. And one of the things that really caught me here, it says, it will have us wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. We need to be wise. And see, there's times where you're alerted to stuff, and you're discerning, but just kind of play passive, like, don't say anything. You know, and they expect that you have a reaction and stuff. You're like, oh, oh, what are you talking about? Oh, no, no, I ain't got nothing to say. But you're like, well, I ain't joining you. I ain't going to be a part of this. I'm not getting involved with this or that. Oh, no, I ain't got nothing to say. It's simple concerning evil. I see your evil. But I'm not going to give you the reaction you want. I ain't going to be all outward with my observation. I'm just going to step back here and distance myself from the situation. And when you're doing stuff that's negative and even coming at you, it says here, the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. They can come after you, try to intimidate you, respond in kind, retaliate any way they want. But it says here, you don't have to worry about it. It says, the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. It's not just the attacks of the enemy. It could be the attacks of uh, toxic people trying to undermine you or retaliate or control you. It says, the God of peace shall bruise Satan and his works. Amen under your feet shortly. That word bruise means to crush completely or to shatter. The God of peace. See, not, not the spirit of self, not the strength of my flesh. You cannot retaliate, respond to, react to, engage back and forth for word of words and a bumping in the heads with them and, and expect the God of peace to come in your circumstances. Instead, you say, I'm going to use the wisdom of God. I'm back off. I'm just going to pray. I'm going to stand my ground on the principles of God. I'm not going to be motivated and controlled or deceived or seduced or intimidated into doing what you want. I'm going to just sit back here. I, I know what I observe. I know I'm right. And I'm standing my ground with God. And even if you don't like it, you'll come against me. Guess what? I ain't worried about it. I'm at peace. And even if I don't have peace, I know peace is coming because I'm going to do things according to the principles of the Spirit of God. And because I'm relying upon the Word of God, I'm trusting in Him, and I'm worrying about how God sees things as opposed to man, the God of peace, who is greater than all of you, shall bruise all your deceptions, your attacks, and your toxicity shortly. Amen? So therefore, I'm cool with all this. The problem is a lot of people succumb to intimidation and they get, get themselves brought into toxicity over and over and over again because they don't want to stand their ground in God. You want to be at peace? Do what God is saying. Respond appropriately to the discernment he got you, that, that he gives you. Because a lot of times, believe it or not, when we're as Christians involved in toxicity, it's not like this sudden surprise. <gasps> oh, I didn't realize that they were poisoning me with their influence. You know, quite frankly, most of us have enough revelation of God's word. You know at the time they're doing it and they're saying it. We just don't have the strength of character to say, I'm getting out of here. I'm going to speak up. No, that ain't right. We just go along, go along. Then next year, oh, I'm so weighed down. Well, who weighed you down? Sometimes attack a devil, 
Sometimes it's the people, but quite frankly, a lot of times, the reason the toxicity comes in is because we didn't stand upon the word of God. We allowed the stuff to come in, and then as a result, oh, why am I so toxic? Because you didn't cast out imaginations. You didn't stand upon the word of God. You didn't speak as thus saith the Lord in the midst of the circumstances. You didn't say no when they invited you. You didn't detach your, or separate yourself when you knew they weren't right. And do you wonder why am I so toxic? Because you didn't do the word of God. At the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. You didn't do the word of God, which you kept would have prevented you from being rendered toxic yourself. Amen? We do God's word, we'll stay liberated and stay free. And here's the thing. Initially, when you stand your ground in God, it might not feel comfortable at first. Oh, we may never be friends again. Oh, they're going to start having, you know, friends and family events, and I won't be invited. Oh, well. Guess what? After a while, you get used to it. The initial wound will go away. You know, nobody wants to be rejected, but the fact is, after a while, you'll be like, see, the fact that you know you're doing right in God will give you the comfort that, I'm quite frank, I'm, I'm good with that. And you know what? The, the, the greatest thing about it is, they might not include you in their reindeer games, <laughs> but when the blizzard of that health crisis, <laughs> that divorce, that abuse, that drug-addicted family member, that disease comes in, all of a sudden they're going to be looking for a Rudolph with his nose so bright to come in and shine light into their circumstances. Amen. So we have to come to the place where we're comfortable being on call for God. No, I won't be around your toxicity unless I can have a godly impact. And I'm going to pray and say, hey, okay, well, they're being toxic, but I could be in their midst because it's not coming on me. Or I could be in their midst because God's got me positioned here to minister and plant seed. Or I'm in a situation where God says, no, you're not going this time. And I'm going to stay here and be quite comfortable with it because I know I'm doing God not people. Amen? Praise the Lord. Uh, last one for today. Ephesians 5, 11 through 17. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepeth, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. All right, so we see here, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but, but, other, but rather reprove or correct them so we are not called to be going from situation and situation to situation unfruitful unfruitful goes beyond not being godly unfruitful means that not only in the current instance where you are engaged with people but then the byproduct of this going further Nothing good comes out of it. Amen? Because one situation to go in a situation, it's one thing to go in a situation, um, and that particular moment in time goes in a good or bad direction, but we would all hope 
that the byproduct of, as, as people look back in time would say, well, you know what? I learned this. Or this came out of it. Or that happened. But it tells us here to have no fellowship with things that will have no end result that turns out for God's glory. It said instead that we are to reprove or you know, correct or provide discipline when necessary in those situations. And it says going down, it's a shame to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. Um, goes into talking about things that are reproved or made manifest by the light of Christ. And in 14, it tells us, it says, Awake thou that sleepeth and arise from the dead, and Christ will give thee light. We came out of darkness into the marvelous light of Jesus Christ by accepting Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior. But we can still make the choice that we continue, despite our salvation, to walk in darkness in day-to-day situations. And God is telling us here, like, if you continue to, to have yourself engaged in unfruitful, darkened situations where the expansion of God's kingdom, um, the exposure to God's glory, none of those things are happening, God is telling us here, like, you're not making the best use of your time. That's why it says redeem the time. You, know, you don't know when it's going to be somebody's last day. You don't know if I'm in this situation I'm not called to be in where all this toxicity is that God would have had me somewhere else where I could have ministered and led somebody to the Lord and planted seed. God says, don't be, don't be foolish. He said, walk with wisdom. Think about what you're doing. If I'm going to be with these people, all they're going to do is fuss and argue because that's just what they like to do. And they'll probably tell you, oh, no, we don't. Tell somebody sometimes, I don't like I don't like chaos. I was like, Yes, you do. Woo mean I like chaos. I say every time you're talking about something, it's, it's chaos. You say you don't like chaos, why is it always surrounding you? Either you're going into it or you're causing it, because if every situation is chaos, you are a chaos magnet. Either you're attracted to it or it's pulling you in. So don't tell me I don't like chaos when everything around you is chaos. I tell people I don't like chaos. Guess what? I'm a man of order and authority. I don't have chaos around me all the time. Pam will tell you, we ain't got chaos around us all the time. Most of the chaos we deal with is not our own. It's like a ministry dealing with different things and the attacks of the devil and stuff like that. But by nature, you don't see us like, okay, when we going out to Ohio, we were all fighting the whole time we were out in Ohio. Oh, we got out in Florida. Oh, boy, we just tore that house up fighting. Oh, at my job. Oh, well, I can't stand this one, this one. And then Pam goes to work. And, oh, we were fighting 35,000 feet. You, you don't hear that? <coughs> you might have your one or two situations. <laughs> but, no, but for the most part, you don't hear us having a life where we're surrounded by confusion chaos and dysfunction because we don't like dysfunction. So, and, and here's the thing. There are times we're going to go into it and may even know we're entering it, but we go with the mindset that we're going to affect change for God's good in that situation. See, we're not going into chaos with the mindset like, oh, I hope something happens good out of this and I hope you know, we bring order. No, we're going to the mindset. There's chaos. We ain't afraid of you, chaos. We're going to bring order to you. You're going to bend your knee, not to us, but to Jesus Christ. Y'all going to stop that chaos. If we come in, we're going to stop that chaos. Otherwise, they're going to go. Because I know people, you know, going to stay full of chaos, and my interaction is not going to change anything. Like, nope, I ain't coming. 
Well, you're a minister of a gospel. You're supposed to say yes to every opportunity to minister. If you're telling me you're not going to change, whether it's from a spiritual, professional, Tony will tell you one time she invited me to something years ago. And I said, well, are the people going to be open seat? No, they're just going to argue, blah, 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 go back and forth, and they're going to, well, I ain't coming there. I ain't going to time to waste, those Negroes. <laughs> My time is priceless. <laughs> if you want to change, I will come talk to you. But if you have this, this mindset that no, I ain't listening to a word you're saying and I'm forced to sit here, I ain't wasting my time on you. Same thing with the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you're open to receive, you could be in the worst condition, in the worst neighborhood, whatever. I will come to you and I will minister because there's the possibility of God's glory to come out of this. But I ain't going to waste my time. And matter of fact, a lot of times I'd rather go to the unsaved dregs of society than I would some knucklehead Christians that think they got it right and ain't doing the Christianity one-on-one. So it tells us here, walk circumspectly, not as fools. Do you realize that you keep going from situation to situation dysfunctional, no change, no plan of action, not seeing the good of God, not planting any seed? Do you realize that God's saying you're walking as fools? He says to redeem the time, to examine what you're doing in the situations you're going, you're going into, to examine the relationships that you're attached to, to examine those things. He says, not as fools, people that don't think out the situation and weigh the cost and see the possibility of God's kingdom being um, expanded or, or enhanced or lives being changed. But he says, be as wise. Can I have any impact here? If I can, then I can redeem the time. As we see here, the, d- the days are evil. And then at the end it says, Be not unwise or foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. The will of the Lord is that we produce fruit all the time. Amen? That the goodness of God and the glory of God are exposed in every situation we go. And the, f- and the thing is, like I said like yesterday, we went to a cookout, you know, a barbecue. There was drinking. There was cursing people clowning and cracking jokes on each other but there was still some God's goodness coming out of that amen and if this is not the case then once again we have the liberty in God to abstain so the light of Christ within us is intended to expose darkness produce or shed light on situations and give the inspiration on how to deal with with the works and the mindsets associated with darkness. But we, before we can impact and detoxify people, we have to first submit our emotions and perceptions unto the will of God to change and purify ourselves. You cannot detox others if you're toxic. Amen? We got to detoxify ourselves. Then we can go out and start to detoxify other people. Amen? Praise the Lord. All right, so we're going to stop there today. Next week, we're going to start looking at, God bless you, we're going to start looking at some of the types of toxic people. Amen? Types of toxic people. Praise the Lord. And um, we can all rise and close the word of prayer. If anybody needs any special prayer, feel free to come forward. Heavenly Father, in the precious name of Jesus, we give you the praise, honor, and glory for everything you do in our lives. And Lord, even today as we're looking at overcoming the plague of toxic people, we praise and thank you, Father, first that the road starts with us. If there's anything within us, Father, that is toxic, 
contaminated, corrupted, impure, contrary to your will, your ways, your mindsets, and principles, Lord. We ask you right now, Father, to, to purge it from us and detoxify us, Father, mind, body, and spirit. We praise you, Father, even as we saw earlier that allowing toxicity and stress to come in our minds could actually have um, an impact, a negative impact on our ability to recall things, um, our short and long-term memory. It can also affect um, the neurons, Father, that are, 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 are processing in our minds, Lord. It, it can affect our ability to reason. We praise and thank you, Father, that your word says we have the mind of Christ. And Lord, if we've allowed things to enter in that have caused a negative impact on our brain, even though uh, the, the medical science would say that things are permanently and irreversibly damaged within months, Father. We praise and thank you, Father. The same way you could supernaturally heal our bodies from head to toe, you could do a supernatural work in our minds to repair and to regenerate new brain cells in the hippocampus or even the other parts of our brain. So we thank and praise you, Father, for this. We praise you, Father, for once again detoxifying our mind, um, restoring our memory, restoring our ability to reason. We praise and thank you, Father, that you would also um, purge and detoxify our emotions of anything within us, Lord, that would have us um, walking in dysfunction, in fear, in anger, in bitterness, in depression, in, in anything, Father, holy that's contrary to your word. We just thank you, Father, to do that work in us supernaturally, allow it to penetrate down into our hearts, Lord, and even as we are purified, Father, and freed, holy from the effect of of toxic people, Father. We praise you also that you would extend it further. If there's any toxic relationships that we're attached to, Father, show us whether you're going to use us to um, minister and bring them out of that toxicity. And if that's the case, Father, we praise you give us words to speak, powered by the, the Holy Spirit, to be able to minister to them, Father, that they would also be healed. If, Father, uh, we're not the ones that are called to detoxify us, detoxify them and you've called us to distance ourselves father we praise and thank you father that you would show us give us words to speak father that we'd be able to do it in a um a, a compassionate a loving fashion lord that hallelujah um they would even even have it a situation where you you take the, the desire they have to even fellowship with us away lord but let them still know in their heart of hearts father that should they have any kind of crisis need wisdom need a touch from god that there will always be um waiting for them and available with open arms we just praise and thank you father for this we thank you lord that once again you would not only enable us to walk um, liberated from toxicity but also use us as agents father to minister salvation healing deliverance and detoxification in the lives of um, toxic people and we give you the praise the honor and glory father for these things we praise you father um, as we go into the coming week that you bless us in all our endeavors in our coming and going keep us safe on the highways father keep us safe holy everywhere we go allow us once again to have opportunities even as um, Pam had had um, yesterday, I'm sorry, um, yeah, yesterday, and I had also at the, um, the picnic, Lord, just give us opportunities to minister people, even in places where it would not seem that ministry would be in place. And we thank you, Father, for this. We give you the praise, the honor, and the glory for these things. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.